0: Hello, and welcome to this podcast. In case this is the first one that you're listening to, I'm going to give a short introduction. I'm Cindy Pierce, and over a year ago, I started a home Bible study about the women of the Bible. Each week was about one or possibly two women, and I would read her story out of the Bible and interject some thoughts and facts about the story. Then after reading, I would recap the story, talk about the woman or women and some of her characteristics and how they could apply to us today. I really enjoyed during the teachings And I was so excited about them that soon other women that I worked with wanted to participate. So before I knew it, I not only was doing the home Bible study, but I was also doing three different lunchtime Bible studies at different offices. So at the encouragement of some of those groups, I'm going to put these lessons on this podcast. I'm using the same format. I read the story straight out of the Bible with some thoughts. I use the New American Standard simply because that's what I grew up reading then i recap and talk a little bit about the story and at the very end i give a little reminder from the lesson on some things to praise god for some things to thank him for something for us to confess and something to ask from god so one of the things i loved about this process is that god's word says in 2 timothy 3:16 that all scripture is inspired by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness so i believe that as you listen or study along with me that god will speak to your heart And I hope you will enjoy this as much as I have. This is the seventh podcast. If you missed the first ones, we've done one on Eve and Sarah and then Rebecca. We did Rachel and Leah together and then Tamar and then Rahab. So this one today is about Deborah and Yael. That's spelled J-A-E-L. And it's starting in the book of Judges, chapter four. And we, at the time we come into this story, um, the children of Israel have um, moved into the promised land, but when they are follow after God and follow after His heart, they have good times. And then, when they start sin, sinning as a nation and doing evil in the sight of the Lord, they have hard times. So, in Judges chapter four, verse one, <clears throat> we're in one of those hard times. The sons of then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Heroseth Haggomai. I didn't pronounce that right, probably, but in a city. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, for he had 900 iron chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. So right away in this verse, we should remember chariots because there were also chariots in Moses' time when he led them out of Egypt and they were chased by chariots. So this commander also has 900 iron chariots. <clears throat> so verse 4 says, Now Deborah, who was a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. <clears throat> so this is the book of Judges. And During this time, Israel doesn't have a king. They just have judges who... Um, They go to for advice and to ask of the Lord when they have questions. So Deborah is, um, there's three things in this verse. She's a prophetess, which means uh, she hears from God and gives advice that way. She's a wife and she's a judge. And interesting, um, this kind of makes me refer back to Exodus when Moses was leading the people. We're going to jump over to Exodus 18 for just a minute. Because there's an interesting little story where these judges kind of um, come from or where the idea comes from. In Exodus 18, 12, it says that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God. And it came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as a judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and those people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you, and you cannot do it alone. Now listen to me, I shall give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk, and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. And you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. It will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace." So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times and the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses. But every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell and he went his way to his own land. So that's just an interesting little side note. But that um, principle is what gets carried over into judges and that is what Deborah does and in verse 5 we see she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim and the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment so she wasn't judging criminals she was judging to give advice between people in verse 6 she sent and summoned Barak the son of Abinoam from Kadesh Nephtali, and said to him behold the Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded: Go and march to Mount Tabor, and take with you ten thousand men from the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. So those two groups, Naphtali and Zebulun, are two of the tribes of Israel that um, live near them. Each of the tribes has a different area that they live in, and um, these are these are two of those tribes. And in verse seven, continuing. And I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his many troops to the river Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. So Deborah has a prophecy here, and she's telling Barak, God's telling me, get everyone together, the people from these tribes that are near us, and God is going to bring our enemy, the uh, commander of the king, out to this river and give him into your hand. And in verse 8, Barak says to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So he hears her and believes her, but he wants her to go as well. She was trusted as a judge and a prophetess, but he wants her to go with him. And in verse 9, she says, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedek. Kadesh. So she agrees and she goes with them, but she tells him you're not going to get the um, honor for for this, that the um, commander is going to be defeated by a woman. And you kind of think at this point that since Deborah's going and she's a fairly prominent woman, woman that um, it, it might go to her. But we shall see. So in verse um, 10, Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali together to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up with him, and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, had separated himself from the Kenites, from the sons of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses. Isn't that interesting? There's a little tie in there to what we just read in Exodus 18. And had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Zenonim, which is near Kadesh. So This is a tribe, the Kenites, a nomadic tribe, and they um, are related to the father-in-law of Moses. Um, And they have their tents not too far away. And uh, verse 12 says, they told Sisera, that's the commander of the king's army, that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera, the commander, called together all his chariots, 900 iron chariots, and all the people were with him from Harosheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon. So he's come out. And he hears they're moving. He gets his chariots together. They start moving. And everyone's uh, headed toward this river. So verse 14, they've traveled here. They've grouped up. They're together. We don't know how long this has taken. But in verse 14, Deborah says to Barak, Arise. This is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Behold, the Lord has gone out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And notice kind of the um, immediacy of Deborah's uh, command. She's like, now, like this day, go, this is the day. And that word arise, um, it, it means up, get up, accomplish, strengthen, succeed. Um, she's, she's insistent and kind of um, pushing them to do this right now. So Barak goes down from the mountain and the 10,000 men with him. And verse 15 says, and the Lord routed Sisera and all of his chariots and all of his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. So the interesting thing about these two chapters, I'm just going to give you a little sneak preview, is chapter four tells us the story and we're going to finish reading through it. And then chapter five gives us more detail. So we'll We'll find out a little bit more about this verse when we get to chapter 5. So the commander's army is being defeated by the sword by these men that came down from the mountains and Sisera, the commander, has jumped off his chariot and run away. So verse 16, Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth Hagoyim. So they went back to, pushed them all the way back to the city they were from and all of the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not even one was left. Now Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. So these nomadic people in these tents are at peace between this king that's ruling Israelite. They're not really um, from the nation of Israel at all. And so they have a peace agreement between the king and them and um, this particular man's wife. Um, is in her tent. So in 18, Yael went out to meet Sisera. She sees him running toward him and she says, Turn aside, my master. Turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. And he turns aside to her into the tent and she covers him with a rug or a blanket, rug or a blanket. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. So she opened a bottle of milk and gave him a drink and she covered him. And that bottle can be a, some type of skin container, not like a glass bottle like we have. And she covered him. And 20, he said to her, Stand in the doorway of the tent, and it shall be if anyone comes and inquires of you and says, Is there anyone here, that you shall say no. But Jael, Yael, Heber's, wife, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and seized a hammer in her hand and went secretly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went through into the ground, for he was sound asleep and exhausted, and so he died. So a couple of things about this, um, the tent that she's in is her tent. If we remember when we talked about Sarah, when they set up their little uh, places as they traveled across the country, they would have separate tents set up, kind of like rooms in a house for us. So she had her own tent and she tells him, don't be afraid, come in. And he has really no reason to be afraid because these, this group is at peace with him he asks for water and she gives him milk. Um, In that time, it was like like a buttermilk. So it could have even made him sleepier. And that was a prized drink for them. So instead of just giving them water, she's giving him something better and making him feel comfortable. And he feels comfortable enough to tell her, guard for me, tell them no one's here. And in 21, again, there are nomadic people that That pull up their tents and travel and then set their tents all up. She knows how to use a tent peg and a hammer. She has to help put the tents up when they move. So she uses what she has at her disposal right there and um, kills the commander of this army. So in verse 22, behold, Barak is pursuing Sisera. So he knows he's run out of his chariot and he's chasing him. And Yael came out to meet him and said to him, come and I will show you the man you are seeking And he entered with her, and behold, Cicero was lying dead with the tent peg in his temple. So God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the sons of Israel, and the hand of the sons of Israel pressed heavier and heavier upon Jabin the king of Canaan until they had destroyed the king of Canaan. So that's chapter 4, and that's a summary of the story. And now we're going to read chapter 5. Because this is called the Song of Deborah. It's actually called the Song of Deborah and Barak. But similar to when um, Moses and the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea in Exodus 15.1, they sang a song. And they had timbrel and dance. And so a couple of things about these songs after a um, major victory is, one, it's praise to God. And we'll see in the first couple of verses that Deborah is singing praises to God for delivering them from this oppressive rule for 20 years And so that's the first part. And then the second part is these songs were a great way to pass down these stories. It was like a storytelling. And a lot of times it's easier to remember a song than just words. And so they would sing these songs after an army to get after a victory in the the military to give um, praise to God and then to also give the detail of what happened. So we're going to read here through chapter five. It says, Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day, saying, That the leaders led in Israel, that the people volunteered. Bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O rulers. I, to the Lord, I will sing. I will sing praise to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when when didst go out from Seir, when thou didst march from the field of Edom? The earth quaked, the heavens also dripped, even the clouds dripped water. The mountains quaked at the presence of the Lord, this Sinai, at the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. So that's interesting because the first couple of verses she's singing praise to the Lord. And then notice in 4 or 5, 4 and 5, the earth quaked, the heavens also dripped. The clouds dripped water, the mountains quaked. So it sounds like. There was an earthquake and then a lot of rain. So we're going to continue on here. It says, uh, and this is interesting timing, because if that's what started it, if there was an earthquake and rain, and in verse 14, Deborah said, Arise right now. This is the day the Lord has given Sisera. Interesting timing with what it looks like might have helped happen um, to win this battle. So in verse uh, six, it says, in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael the highways were deserted. So first, let's look at this first sentence. Shamgar only has two verses in the whole Bible that talk about him. And this is one of them. The other one is uh, Judges chapter three, verse 31. And all it says is, it's going through the different judges that ruled and the different kings and the different people that... Um, had them under rule and how they got free from that. And in verse 31 it says, And after him came Shagar, Shamgar the son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. So that's one verse where he saved Israel from the Philistines. And now here in chapter 5, verse 6, Deborah also mentions him. In the days of Shamgar the son of Anath, in the days of Yale, the highways were deserted, and travelers went by roundabout ways. The peasantry ceased. They ceased in Israel. So she's talking about these last 20 years where they were oppressed so much that they couldn't even travel. They had to seek other routes to go around about these uh, people on chariots that were oppressing them. And pretty much she's saying that our way of life had ceased. And then in seven, she says, until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. And she says here, that not I, the judge, not I, the prophetess. She just says that she's a mother in Israel. But making note that she heard God tell her to arise. She heard what God was telling her. New gods were chosen. Then war was in the gates. Not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. So they had no weapons. Um, what, they, they didn't have any weapons um, in Israel. She says, my heart goes out to the commanders of Israel, the volunteers among the people. Bless the Lord. So they had been so oppressed that they didn't have any um, weapons. They had no way to um, mount up an army to go against them. I mean, they literally needed the Lord to help them break free from this reign that they were under. You who ride on white donkeys and you who sit on rich carpets and you who travel on the road sing. At the sound of those who divide flocks among the watering places, there they shall recount the righteous deeds of the Lord, the righteous deeds for his peasantry in Israel. Then the people of the Lord went down to the gates. In verse 12, she says, Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and take away your captives, O son of Abinoam. So she says again the same words that she used to tell uh, Barak to go to war. She said, Arise, arise, Barak. And so she repeats, what she had heard um, to tell him to get up and go take them captive. Uh, 13 says, The survivors came down to the nobles. The people of the Lord came down to me as warriors. So here in 13 through 18, um, she is talking about the different tribes of Israel and which ones came to help and which ones didn't. So she says, From Ephraim, those whose root is an Amalek, came down, following you, Benjamin, with your people, from Macher, commanders came down, and from Zebulun, those who wield the staff of office, or scribes. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As was Issachar, so was Barak. Into the valley they rushed at his heels. Among the divisions of Reuben there was great resolve of heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the piping for the flocks among the divisions of Reuben? There were great searchings of heart. Gilead remained across the Jordan, and why did Dan stay in ships? Asher sat at the seashore and remained by its landings. Zebulun was a people who despised their lives, even to death, and Naphtali also on the high places of the field. So if you remember earlier on, um, she told, this was in chapter 4, verse 6, she had told him to take the sons of Naphtali and Zebulun with him. So those were the tribes that were closer, and she's saying here, they, they didn't even care about their life anymore. They just wanted to um, come with Barak and join him and try to throw off this oppressing um, army that had been um, ruling over them. So Zebulun and Naphtali came, and she's mentioning other tribes, some of which didn't come to help at all, some that sat among their sheepfolds or in their ships and, and didn't come to help. So then in 19, the kings came and fought, then fought the kings of Canaan. So this is the their oppressors. At Tannik, near the waters of Megiddo, they took no plunder in silver. The stars fought from heaven, from their courses they fought against Sisera. Now watch this in verse 21. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. So that's the river that God told them to, that he would bring the commander to. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon. Oh my soul, march on with strength. Then the horses' hoofs beat. From the dashing, the dashing of his valiant steeds. So, from verses four and five, where the clouds came and the mountains quaked and the rain came down, this riverbed that they had brought all of these chariots into, um, filled with water, filled with torrents, and it must have used to be a mighty river because she says the ancient torrent, and they changed those nine hundred chariots of iron from weapons into a problem because now they couldn't go in the flooded river they were stuck and so the army of israel was able to come in and defeat them because they couldn't go anywhere so similar to what happened in the red sea when the waters came over the chariots um, it appears here that the river filled up and that they couldn't they couldn't get away verse 23 says curse miraz said the angel of the lord utterly curse its inhabitants because they did not come to help of the lord to the help of the Lord against the warriors. So this town is never mentioned again, but apparently they may have been a town near the battlefield. I'm not sure what happened here, but they didn't come to help. I don't know if they heard the battle and didn't come or what what happened, but there's a verse mentioned here for them. And then in 24, we have Yael's blessing. Most blessed of women is Yael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Most blessed is she of women in the tent. He asked for water and she gave him milk. In a magnificent bowl, she brought him curds. She reached out her hand for the tent peg and her right hand for the workman's hammer. So she used tools that she had right there. And then 25 through 27 is pretty gruesome because it explains exactly what happened. It says, she struck Sisera. She smashed his head and shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he bowed, he fell, he lay. Between her feet he bowed, he fell where he bowed, there he fell dead. And then 28 completely kind of changes to a different perspective. And we're now hearing about his mother who's waiting for him to come home from this battle. So in 28, it says, Out of the window she looked and lamented, the mother of Sisera through the lattice. Why does his chariot delay in coming? Why do the hoofbeats of his chariots tarry? Her wise princesses would answer her. Indeed, she repeats her words to herself. Are they not finding... Are they not dividing the spoil? A maiden, two maidens for every warrior. To Sisera, a spoil of dyed work, a spoil of dyed work embroidered, dyed work of double embroidery on the neck of the spoiler. So she's kind of um, taking a different perspective of waiting for the victor to come home and assuming that he's going to be a victor and what, um, what that perspective looks like. And then in 31, thus let all thine enemies perish, O Lord. But let those who love him, the Lord, be like the rising of the sun in its might. And the land was undisturbed for 40 years. So that's the end of this uh, story of Deborah. And it's awesome because the Lord just brought about a mighty miracle through her and through her hearing um, his voice and being obedient to what he told her to do. And Barak was obedient as well. So just a quick look at these two women, Yael is an interesting part of the story because she was a housewife warrior. In one maneuver, she disarmed the enemy of God's people. So a couple of things about her. One, she stepped into her calling. She was the one that God used. Uh, Deborah prophesied over Yael and had spoken that over her in the earlier verse and said that a woman was going to win. But Yael had to take action on her part. She had to be brave. She had to um, think of a plan, get a strategy, and she had to do it. And sometimes when I think about um, these stories, I think about what you would feel like in that moment. Here's the commander of a great army. He's come into there. She's picked up the tent peg and the hammer, and her heart must have just been pounding. And yet she bravely um, did what she needed to do to get rid of the suppressor. Um, Secondly, she used what she had, simple household items. God uses the simple things. Um, She knew how to put up tents. They were nomads. Um, And God likes to use obscure, unpopular, unexpected things to win victories. So these weren't, she didn't go get a shield and a sword, and she didn't put on armor. She just used what she had at her disposal. And then next, third, she conquered in her calling. She wasn't a soldier, so she didn't conquer as a soldier. God used a housewife and her tools to defeat the enemy. So don't try to be someone else. Discover your own giftings and passions and let God use those. He gave those to you um, for you to use and to be used by him. The idea that a victory would not be credited to soldiers but to a woman in her home tent is a little bit crazy. And yet chapter five song, Um, The verses that we read there are in her honor. And then lastly, she staked her claim because we're all called to do battle to the plans of the enemy. And these days we don't do it with shields and swords and tent pegs, but we are still called to battle the enemy. And the New Testament tells us that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against um, wickedness in high places. So we're called also to use the tools that we have to do battle against the enemy. Deborah was called to the battlefield, and she went with Barack, but Yale was called to fight from home. Um, and as to Deborah, women in her time were not usually political leaders, but she heard from God and believed, and her courage allowed the people of God to throw off an oppressor. So that is the end of the story, but let's quickly go through a couple of things um, to praise God for from the story. So Let's praise God for speaking clearly to his people and that he defeats our enemies. So we see that over and over again in the Bible, and I believe that those stories are to give us hope and to uh, teach us on how we can defeat our enemy, which is um, Satan, who seeks to destroy our lives. And then to give God thanks that he gives gifts to the church and to the members of the church And by church, I mean not a building that we go to, but to his people and that we can be instruments of deliverance for others. So I just believe in this time where people are just so oppressed by depression and anxiety and fear um, that we can be instruments of deliverance to people if we just um, listen to God, hear his plan and speak the words that he gives us to speak into those situations Next, if we were going to confess something to God, something that we learned from the story, anything that makes us reluctant to listen for God's voice, and a tendency towards passivity in our struggle against sin and Satan. So I think sometimes God may be nudging us to do something, and we're just, we become a little bit passive in our walk with God, and we don't... um, We don't answer that little nudge. We don't answer that voice to do something. We don't answer that call to do something because sometimes it's a little bit out of our comfort zone. And yet he calls us to awake, to arise, to get up, to strengthen. He calls us to um, take on some of those battles that we need to, not just in our own lives and our family's lives, but to reach out to those around us that we might be able to help um, with the word of God also. And then lastly, to ask God that he would help us to discern his voice, that he would give us wisdom and discernment in spiritual battle. Literally, that he will give us the words to pray, that when um, we spend time with him and in prayer and in the word, that he'll give us those prophetic words to pray over people's lives and to pray into people's lives. So today, I just hope that this uh, story gives you some hope, some inspiration. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever And what he did for Deborah and for Yale, he can do in our lives uh, as well. So I hope that this blessed you and that you will tune in again soon for the next um, story in the podcast. Goodbye.